With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and others on important and forgotten female artists of the past. All right, everybody, welcome back with another week with More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We're happy to have you here, and we're excited for this new year and more episodes. Yeah. Absolutely. How are you doing, Stani? I'm doing good. Just figuring out school and moving forward in life. That's pretty relatable. <laughs> I know, final semester, so everything feels like a blur, but that's oh, okay. Yeah. The cool part is our podcast has actually been inspiring a few projects for me, so oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. I'm doing like a, a book on um, artistic inspiration, but it's going to be like kind of the muses and how that's kind of changed over time and how like artistic inspiration has changed from like an external thing to an internal thing. So that'll be cool. And then that's like your senior capstone. Is that what it um, is? Or kind of there's like a couple of different things Like I Mm. ended up having a class get canceled. And so I'm doing an independent study with the head of the Mm. department instead. So that's like my independent study project. Got it. Which I'm excited about. And then my senior capstone, hopefully if I get to do the idea I want to, will be all about women in graphic design, which is exciting. Well, there we go. Yeah. You can just like double dip the two projects in I know. <laughs> yeah. So I'll have lots of upcoming episodes probably that I'll spread out so that it's not all at once of all the different female graphic designers. <laughs> all the graphic designers. <laughs> I love that. And so with like the Muse book you're doing, mm-hmm. it's, it's, so it's like a book that you're designing, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are you going to like actually print copies of the book or is it like an ebook? Um, I'll definitely have at least two copies printed. My professor will keep one and then I will keep the other. And the way oh, that, that I'm awesome. designing it, I don't think it will work as an ebook. There's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of like very weird layers and stuff, but I don't know if like anyone's interested maybe I could print more copies and sell them but <laughs> I mean I feel like it feels appropriate that more than a muse eventually has a book about the history of muses but yeah or maybe not exactly the history of muses but whatever whatever mm-hmm. direction you take I'm very excited to see it <laughs> yeah definitely I'll have to share it and I think it'll be a cool episode idea in the future maybe to talk about artistic inspiration and how it's changed over time because I'm finding a lot Mm. of things about it in my research so that sounds awesome Mm. that's really cool yeah well wow what about you 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 have a new job I do have a new job I haven't started officially teaching yet but next week I should this week I was mentioning to Stani I I have the morning shift for the first time in like four years. So this is the first time in the last four years I haven't been working until 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. every night. So I feel like a new woman and it's amazing to have my evenings to choose what I want to do. So yeah, that's it's been a pretty good week because of that. I was just watching TV before we started doing this and I'm like, wow, watching TV at six o'clock at night. On Isn't a weekday, this nice. is amazing. <laughs> this is actually, I can relate a little bit. This has been my first semester without a night class um, mm. pretty much since I started college. Dang. Um, yeah, because I with adjunct professors, we end up having oh, yeah. classes all the time at night. And That's kind of was with the music program. There yeah. were like classes just all over the place. I know. You'd have one like 8 in the morning and then I'd have one until 9 p.m. at night. And it's like, And okay. then they're both required. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Uh. No, it was pretty awful. But yeah, this is my first semester without a night class too. So I feel you on that one. It's really, really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. I got... <gasps> Ooh, you got Evermore and Folklore. On CD. So I didn't even wow. know that they were releasing them in physical copies. But they are. They were at Target. And oh, I got, got them at Target? Yeah. I ordered the Evermore CD off of Taylor Swift's, what's it called? Her website? Website. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't good. know why that forgot that. <laughs> but I haven't gotten the folklore one, but I feel like I need to add it to my collection. Yeah. They had a bunch of them at Target. So well, if you want to make a trip. I almost I didn't go buy it. recognize them because they don't have any title on the front. Yeah. And it's weird. Yeah. So I like, and then I was like, wait a second. I think that's. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I actually, I try to buy all of her CDs and physical copies just because yeah. it's a fun little thing I do. So No, I get it. Always mm-hmm. got to buy a physical copy of a Taylor Swift album. Yeah, I think I have all but like the first three at this point. So Yeah, I know. Part of me feels like I need to go back and buy the first one, though. So I, I know. Like... <laughs> so you can have all of them. <laughs> so I can have all of them. And I have her Fearless album. But I don't know where the actual CD is. I just have oh. the album booklet. So gotcha. who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I need to like find those just so I can have a beautiful, like pristine collection of Taylor right? Swift <laughs> But yeah, anyone who's looking for them, they're at Target. Okay. Well, so today we are talking about a painter. Ooh. Now, we have given the, what is the like disclosure statement is that the word yes of like we are not (laughs) historians you know Mm -hmm. and even more so today I am giving that because I am talking about painting and I usually talk about music people and with reason because I really don't know a ton but I wanted to you know spice it up wanted to talk about something new but just Mm -hmm. saying that like I I will I have done my research but I do not know all the painting skills and won't be able to provide insights on my thoughts on <laughs> but That's you know okay. it's fine <laughs> I mean I talked about a ballerina and we talked That's about true. my history of dance <laughs> it's not strong That's true. <laughs> so but of course any art historians who happen to be listening do not cringe too much and if I get anything wrong please message us and correct me because I would love to know the truth okay so usually you know we try to find like a topic question relating to the person mm-hmm. and I didn't really think of one because why I thought of like ones that wouldn't work for us because (laughs) this girl was like a crazy partier, you know, like drugs party scene. And I was like, I wonder if Stani has any like crazy party stories, but I know we're very similar and I am not a partier. And (laughs) so, but maybe you do like, maybe you have this dark party, not dark, but this (laughs) past that I just don't know about (laughs) so fun fact every single party I've been to in my life you were there because it was all high school or that one Halloween party that we went to your first year of college and that's it I well I feel very honored you should I have not gone to a lot of parties in my life I, I mean, I absolutely have not either. So. <laughs> yeah. so no, I don't have any cool partying stories. I mean, Ohio, like OSU campus, there was a ton of parties, but I was a missionary. So I went into my apartment. But yeah, I don't have any crazy stories. I kind of wish I did. Like just I know. not that I had partaken in anything really because no thanks. But like, I don't know, just being there when something crazy would happen. Oh, I just remembered that party that you had at your house that we all ended up leaving because of the other people that showed up. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's actually a decent party story. So Mm -hmm. once upon a time, Stani and I went to high school together. Everyone who (laughs) is new and doesn't know that. It was what? It was the, was it after our junior year or senior year? I think it was in between sophomore and junior year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was like the end of school party and we invited everyone like it was open invite everyone to our house. Mm -hmm. But then so many people started coming that weren't even our friends. And I think I left my own party. I just (laughs) left. I think I went to McDonald's. Yeah, because we live in a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We live in a small town. There's really not many options for what to do or where to go. 
yes but which is probably we why did so many people showed up yes that is a very house. good point yeah. <laughs> but then so yeah we left my own party to go to mcdonald's and then we came back and then there was like some rumor that somebody bought drugs which i just don't think is true yeah but if anything it was probably marijuana which yeah. come on out of all of the drugs that one's probably the one to be the it's least worried tame. about so yes. yeah but then my mom came out and like was at the deck on the deck yelling to everyone in the backyard and was like if anyone has drugs you can leave right now this is not that kind of party (laughs) and then the whole mood of the night changed and then all of our non-friends left and then we were just like well that was a lot of fun (laughs) yeah I just remember that at one point we like looked over and there was a bunch of girls swimming in your pool in their underwear and not that that's like bad it's just when you live in a tiny conservative town in suburban utah (laughs) and like everyone else who was swimming was probably wearing a one piece (laughs) and then you have some people swimming in their underwear it was just like whoa it was just different (laughs) no that's a very good point i feel like we need to set that scene we are from Syracuse slash Clearfield, Utah, mm-hmm. small conservative suburban Utah town. Yes. Like that is the setting. And then also where I went to college was Provo, Utah and where Stani went to college. Yeah. We lived in Provo. Anyone who is not familiar with Utah, it's just a very, I mean, BYU, which is, you know, the school for the <laughs> Which LDS we did church. not go to. Just so No, we did not go clear. to BYU. We didn't go to BYU. But it's in Provo, and that yeah. culture is very deep in the roots of Provo. So we yes. did not really go to... We did not live in places that fostered a great partying community. <laughs> no. <laughs> which is fine, because I don't think either of us were really into that anyway. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. So we can't really relate so much in that way to this person we are about yeah. to discuss, but... That's okay. That is okay to each their own. And no shame to anyone who has crazy party stories. In fact, if you have cool ones, you can send them to us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd love well, to hear. <laughs> actually thinking. I was like, I almost like wanted to go on our Instagram and be like, does anyone have any cool party stories that we could talk about? Because we're lame. <laughs> Let me like live vicariously through all of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us all the crazy things. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so today we are talking about the painter Tamara de Lempica. Hmm. Do you know that name? No, I don't. I almost okay, want to, cool. I might Google her really quick though and see if I recognize no, the you art. you should. Okay, cool. Well, so she was a, she was a, obviously a painter um, in like the, er, like the 1920s. So here's how I discovered her. So if you guys have listened to a previous episode of ours um it was with hall rockefeller who is the she created the organization less than half Mm -hmm. she actually recommended a book to us while she was on the episode it's a great episode by the way and she's knows she's very knowledgeable so yes would recommend it um but anyways she recommended a book the short story of woman artists Mm -hmm. and this woman's painting limpique Lempika's painting is the cover of this book. Oh, and cool. My, yeah. And my sister-in-law gave me that book for Christmas because she's awesome. So shout out to her. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So, you know, I, I've had that book. And so I've been trying to learn more about painting and that type of art history. And so I decided, why not? Let's let's do it. So really quick, I do want to shout out a YouTube channel that I found that had a really cool informative video about her. Um, it's the YouTube channel is several circles and she has like a know the artist series and she covers a lot of women artists, which Ooh. is really cool. So yeah, would recommend checking that out. It's called several circles. Yep. Several circles. Cool. Okay. So to start off with a little state of the arts here for where Tamara comes into, yeah, comes into the world, I guess. So her painting was very much stylized as the art deco era Mm -hmm. so essentially it was and i'm reading this right from the short story of women artists because yeah it's a great book beginning in the 1920s and ending just before world war ii Art Deco celebrated the modern mechanized world through architecture, design, and fine art, an international style that started in Paris. It was named after the International Exhibition of Modern Decorative and Industrial Arts held in that city in 1925. Hmm. 
So that's where it kind of came from. And it says that the Art Deco style exemplified what was seen as the streamlined, glamorous machine age. The movement's sleek, angular works symbolized wealth and sophistication. It was a, yeah, that's kind of the idea. And Tamara was like, she was Polish born and she was the style's leading painter. Like her work is just 100% just like what Art Deco is. Wow. So, I know. It's really cool. That's like quite the accomplishment to be a style's like leading painter. That's right? a big deal because it means that she has set the trends for everything. And we know Art Deco is still popular today. Admittedly, I know Art Deco because there is a Lana Del Rey song named Art Deco. And I'm, that's where I first heard it. So, Or if you've anyways. seen anything Great Gatsby themed, yep, that's mm-hmm. all Art Deco as well. It's very glamorous. Mm-hmm. It really is, like roaring 20s. At the beginning of last year, before everything went to kaput, a bunch yeah. of people were doing like Art Deco-themed parties and stuff for the new year because it was the 20s yeah. again and everything. So yeah, still a very I... important style. So yeah, so that's the movement. She essentially triumphed. And this cool, I, this really cool quote, it said, her stylish artwork oozes feminine power and sensuality and mm-hmm. celebrates the independence and liberation of 1920s women, hmm. which I really liked. Okay, so we're just going to dive right into her life. So Tamara de Lampica, she was born Tamara Rosalia Gertzwick Gorska in Warsaw, I believe. But this is a weird thing. So... She had a lot of like mystery surrounding her life and she definitely cultivated that. And so because of that, I also read in different articles that her birth name was Maria Gorska and she always claimed that her birthplace was in Moscow, but they believe that it was in Warsaw, Poland. And another funny thing is she was born in 1898, but she told some people that her birth year was as late as 1907. So they don't really know, I guess, for sure when or where she was born. But I think the um, accepted answer is 1898 in Poland. Okay. So her father um, was a Russian Jewish attorney for a French trading company. And her mother was a Polish socialist who had lived most of her life abroad and who met her husband at one of the European spas. Wow. So I know. So she definitely was born into a very rich European family. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as her childhood, so in 1911, it says her parents sent her to a boarding school in Switzerland, but she was bored and she <laughs> feigned illness to be permitted to leave the school. So very dramatic. But so, but what happened is instead of that, then her grandmother took her to on a tour of Italy and that's where she first developed her interest in art. Gosh, if I, I got know, to right? go on a tour of Italy, I'd pretend I was sick, too. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, well, that's fair. Like, if the alternative was, like, a summer in Italy with your grandma, like, yeah, get like out of goodbye there. boarding school. I'm going to Italy. <laughs> I know. And a mm. quote from that time. Um, so she said, all of a sudden in the museums, I saw paintings done in the 15th century by Italians. She later remembered. Why did I like them? Because they were so clear and they were so neat. So she was really inspired by the 15th century Italian paintings and all that. So, like I said, that's where she, her first fascination with art came in. Um, her parents ended up divorcing in 1912, and she spent a summer um, with her aunt in St. Petersburg. And it was there in 1915 that she met and fell in love with a prominent Polish lawyer whose name was Lempiki, which I feel like, I don't know a lot about Russian culture, but he's Lempiki and she's Lempika. So I wonder if like, it's like if the oh, man okay. in the relationship is P- Lempiki and she's Lempika. That's what I'm Yeah, gathering. I'd assume so. So he's, te- I don't know how to say it, but Tedus Lempiki. Hmm. Anyways, they married in 1916 and had a daughter. Cosette, um, I believe is her name. And like I said, she was still a teenager when they were married. So they were married in 1916. Um, But the Russian Revolution in November of 1917 um, happened and he, her husband, was arrested in the middle of the night um, by the secret police. And then apparently, there's not a ton of details about this, but Tamara searched the prison's 
prisons for him. And like with the help of the Swedish council, she was able to negotiate with them and she secured his release. Wow. I know, right? Um, Does it say why he was arrested? Everything that I found didn't really say. It just said that he was arrested in the middle of the night. So I don't know. But maybe they didn't have a reason. I know. Maybe they didn't give one. I have no idea. (laughs) That's crazy, though. I know. But somehow she was able to negotiate his release. And after that, they moved to Paris. So this is when her art career starts. So in Paris, um, Lempiki, her husband, out of work and depressed. And so then Lempika, Tamara, she sold all of her jewels um, to kind of um, fund the family. Mm-hmm. But of course, that eventually, you know, ran out. Know. Yeah. So this is kind of when they were trying to figure out what to do. And her sister actually gave her some advice. Um, and her sister was also living in Paris at the time. And her sister was actually enrolled in architecture school. Um, and so she gave her, it says very blunt advice. She said, find a career so you don't have to rely on your husband. And hmm. apparently Lempika would later recall that she went out to buy paper and brushes on the spot. Wow. I know. So it sounds like her husband was kind of in a very bad place, wasn't providing for the family. And so she just went out, um, decided to take matters into her own hand. And that's when she decided she was going to start painting. Good for her. I know, right? Yeah. Coming up. So it's funny because apparently she liked to insist that she was mainly self-taught, but that's not necessarily true. Um, It says here that 1920s Paris offered bountiful options for art art instruction that she took advantage of. Um, Starting in 1918, she studied at the Academy de la Grande Chaumière with Le Nabi. Um, the following year, she took courses at the Academy Ranson, established by the painter Paul, Paul Ranson. Mm-hmm. And then her most influential mentor was the painter and critic Andre Lote. So basically, though, she was able to be taught by a lot of, you know, great artists and be mentored, take classes. So yeah, so she just fully embrace this and then another cool thing i i found is that it says that she spent hours at the louvre um and she went would go along sketching and fueled by cigarettes and booze which was what a typical <laughs> 1920s like you know what like you know yeah. you like imagine what the 1920s in paris would be like it seems like she was just living that life exactly yeah which is kind of fun like a great a glamorous lady wandering the Louvre, drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes, and sketching art. Like that's yeah, like <laughs> like in like so, like you just imagine her with like almost like sparkles and this flapper mm-hmm. dress with perfect curls. Like yeah, that's just exactly what I would imagine <laughs> 1920s in Paris to be. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds totally fitting. Okay, so by 1922, um, it says that she was rubbing elbows with the Parisian avant-garde, and um. And it was also likely during this time is when she added the de to her name. So Tamara de Lampica. And I think the reason why she did it is because she kind of thought it would give her a little bit more of a mysterious persona. Mm -hmm. So which it does. I mean, like de Lampica. It's like, what does that mean? But (laughs) she just added that herself, which is like, yeah, if you want to be called something, just stick that name onto yourself and demand (laughs) that's what you're called now. So good for her. (laughs) Um, It says so. she was regularly out at these parties with all the elite in Paris. Um, It says that she loved art and high society in equal measure. So I think she was very much chasing that vibe or just that culture, you know, of like Mm -hmm. the parties and rich, lavish lifestyle. And then, oh, here's a quote from her. It says that I live on the fringe of society, she herself asserted, and the rules of normal society have no currency for those on the fringe. Hmm. So she lived the kind of the quote unquote scandalous party lifestyle, had a lot of sexual partners, a lot of drugs, cocaine, alcohol, things like that. But her early career kind of started because of this, because she was so close with like all these elite people at the party. She started doing portraits of them. What she was most commonly known for at the beginning was portraits of these European elite and then also would do like voluminous nudes. Um, whose like bodies would consume the entire picture so huh that was like her thing and it's kind of also said like she would like paint her lovers in a way 
mm-hmm. like they would almost like be the muses for her artwork turning the men or women i guess we don't know yeah exactly she was bisexual so she would okay. have men and women partners well there you go <laughs> exactly so it and that's kind of what oh where is that quote i found here i'll pull it up later but there was kind of one where it kind of talks about how it's like she would almost like twist what the male gaze was because she would like paint two women together kind of caressing each other but it was like almost like turning the quote-unquote male gaze so it's like it wasn't painted by a man it was painted by a woman and Mm -hmm. you know just really interesting yeah no that's super cool actually especially because so many nudes were done by men and we talked about this in an earlier episode how Mm -hmm. before women were allowed to pose naked men's nudes were very inaccurate and so women would use their own bodies as like inspiration but Mm -hmm. kind of cool that she was able to kind of take that power back again and be like nope like a woman is doing the nudes <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah during this 1920s so as far as like the scandals so she was very notoriously known for her wild parties and for her quote insatiable sexual appetite for both <laughs> men and women that's from an article i read so very sexually active very you know just a partier but also it's cool she said when she worked she painted portraits of rich and famous including queen elizabeth of greece king alfonso of spain and italian poet gabrielle but due to kind of her scandalous lifestyle her husband divorced her in 1928 um lampica rarely saw her only child Cosette, at this time and she was left in the care of her grandmother um but something interesting is though despite that she wasn't necessarily close with her daughter she painted her daughter a lot and that was in some of her like most famous paintings was wow. the paintings of her daughter, which I kind of thought was interesting because mm-hmm. a couple of things that I was reading, it kind of seemed like she was like almost like very focused on her career. Like that was 100% her goal and like this lifestyle that she kind of brushed aside her daughter. But at the same time, she was like still kind of her muse that she was painting. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I wondered, I'm like, what is like the psychological reasons for that? Yeah. But, Hmm. Anyways, Um, oh, a quote. So this is, I think this is the quote that I was talking about. So a historian, her name's Paula Birnbaum, so wrote in this book, it's The Modern Woman Revisited, Paris Between the Wars. So she quoted, painting the nude presented her with a means for proclaiming a professional identity within the patriarchal codes of Western art society, as well as for evoking female agency on her own terms. So that's what we were just talking about that mm-hmm. I thought I thought obviously she worded it very well that I thought was cool. Yeah, no, that's an awesome way to put it. I love that. OK, so this is like the 20s. Um, obviously, her career is doing super well. And um, her I think her most or one of her most popular por- um, paintings, excuse me, was a self-portrait that she did in 1929 called Tamara in the Green Bugatti. And what it was, was she was commissioned to make a self-portrait for the cover of the German fashion magazine, Die Dame. Wow. Which I thought was cool. I know. Can you imagine, like, a fashion magazine being like, okay, we want you to paint something, but can you paint yourself, actually? I know. That's what I feel like. I'm like, what a compliment. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we want you to paint yourself. That's crazy. I know. Um, And in the painting, she showed herself at the wheel of a Bugatti racing car wearing a leather helmet and gloves wrapped in a gray scarf. Um, And then I love this quote from it, um, of someone talking about it. It said she portrayed herself as a personification of cold beauty, independence, wealth, and inaccessibility. And this was done like right after her divorce too. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like interesting of like, you know, at this time of her life, there's probably like this like new sense of freedom and like self identity almost because she's no longer attached to her husband mm-hmm. and it's a very confident painting like I love it it's so cool uh, but another funny thing about it is that she didn't own a Bugatti she owned a much smaller like yellow car that was not as nice a, as a Bugatti but I think it just kind of shows the way that she really kind of wanted to make herself appear very lavish and mysterious yeah. she you was know? like manifesting before it was a thing she's like i'm gonna paint <laughs> myself in that bugatti and then one day i will own a bugatti <laughs> honestly yes <laughs> she's the original manifester with giving herself the de lampica and then painting herself in a green bugatti like that's the kind of confidence i absolutely need in my life way to go her 
Okay, so into the year of the early 1930s, so her basically her main commission she's getting is of portraits of people and like the erotic nudes. So that was her style. That's what she was widely known for. And word of her work even traveled to the United States. And that's when the wealthy people even there began ordering pictures. So at this point, she's getting tons of international success um, and becoming just very well known for what she's Mm. doing, which is obviously great. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. So my artist spotlight for today is Morgan Harper Nichols. Um, She's actually a poet and an artist. Um, She does a lot of really, really cool poetry, and then she, like, illustrates it, and it's really beautiful. I found her through Pinterest, but she's, like, pretty famous on Instagram. She has 1.6 million followers. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, but something that's kind of cool, every once in a while, she'll put on her story, like, tell me what you need help with today, and then she'll, Mm. like, draw out things and write little poems for people based on their responses. Aw. Yeah, and apparently she also has a podcast, which I didn't know. I'm just seeing this, but she does, like, a daily podcast, probably, like, a spoken word poem every day. That's cool. Mm -hmm. What's her name again? Morgan Harper Nichols. So it's M-O-R-G-A-N-H-A-R-P-E-R-N-I-C-H-O-L-S. But she's just really cool. I love her stuff. She does a lot of wallpapers, too. And then just has like these beautiful words. Yeah, that are just really I'm just inspiring. going through and I'm obsessed with all of this. Yeah, they're just lovely. And it's like always nice, like scrolling through my feed and then I get like a nice little poem that's like inspiring and beautiful. Yeah, and, and it's so uplifting, which yes. I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so who I am going to spotlight today, it's kind of an artist, but it's also kind of a community that I think highlights a lot of amazing woman artists. So it's a company that I love because they used to be primarily an earring company and I loved their earrings and their style of earrings, but the company is called Rosie June and their Instagram bio is it's an inclusive community where now instead of being like a jewelry accessory shop, which is what they started as, I think like even just this month, they've transitioned to doing like a monthly magazine And having like exclusive teas and then highlighting different artists, like women artists who want like their earrings or their works to be sold through the shop. So it's almost like this really cool community. Their magazine that they have, I am going to be buying an issue of it. It seems like it's like a monthly subscription that they have. And it seems like it's just this very uplifting, like just, yeah, magazine. It's kind of designed to be just highlight like real women, you know, like Mm -hmm. real bodies, real stories, things like that, which I think is really cool and like missing in like magazines, you know? Yeah, Um, definitely. And it like has like journal pages, it looks like. And also like it's all done. It looks like her entire team is women, graphic designers. Um, It's a woman who owns the business. And I just think her vision for her company is really amazing. So yeah, I would encourage all of you to go check it out. Go check out her magazine. Um, um, like how I said, do you I'm, spell the handle? Sorry. Yeah. It's Rosie June, R-O-Z-I-E, and then June. Okay. Mm-hmm. There so Like I said, go. they've just like revamped their company to kind of almost be like an, um, a community with this monthly subscription magazine, which it's like, it's like 96 pages. So it's like a nice, like almost like coffee. Yeah. Book, like a lookbook. Okay. Well, now I want one. I know. But yeah, they look really amazing. And like I said, it's like really cool. Like I think she like works. She makes she takes really great effort to like in, be really inclusive and like tell everyone's stories, which I think is really cool. And she definitely, from my perspective, does a really good job at doing that and makes like an effort to like be better at that, which I think is cool. Yeah. Plus the aesthetic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like it's amazing. She did yeah. so well with it. Very, very well done. So, yeah, go check out Rosie June. Like I said, it's a very cool community that highlights a lot of amazing women artists. All right, now back to the show. By 1933, so America is currently in the Great Depression. And so because of that, 
obviously there was not as much of work in the United States. But then also at this time is when the Nazis are taking control of Germany. You know, World War Two is... I mean, it's, I guess World War II didn't happen technically till the 40s, but the Nazi party is definitely getting power. And so she had a new husband, Baron Raoul Kufner, I believe. And in 1939, they ended up moving to the United States, um, partly because they both had Jewish ancestry. And so they were worried about that. And, you know, I feel like at this point, she was probably ready for something new. And when she was in the United States at this point, she kind of, shifted her focus on what she was painting almost doing like religious pictures like she would paint nuns images of peasants and things like that but they never really drew the same interest as you know her previous paintings that's quite the switch right like I feel like it's so interesting that she went to from really thriving in that you know very party culture to then turning to nuns and yeah like a much more much more humble subjects you know what Mm -hmm. i mean so it's like you wonder almost like what was going on like was it the influence of this new husband or was it just because she her work maybe wasn't becoming as popular and this is almost like a way of coping or just to try something new i'm i don't know like i'm i'm very curious though yeah that's super interesting yeah like i said they didn't really draw as much interest and that's kind of like the problem with her style is because it's so art deco right Mm -hmm. like it is just exactly what um it was and there's this quote here it says lampika is irredeemably linked to her era which was a fairly short period um like between the 20s and then like the early to mid 30s and like in some ways it's the secret of her success but it was also the limit of her achievement so it's like almost like she was so trendy but then because of the Great Depression and then, of course, World War Two are like the beginnings, you know, of what eventually would be World yeah. War Two. Suddenly society went from like wanting really lavish luxury, you know, things to all of a sudden like, oh, my goodness, you know, we need the necessities Not, like we can't yeah. mm-hmm. we can't do that. So like I think that's why like at the time she was so successful because that's exactly what people wanted. But then once that time period was over and that trend had died, it was like she really struggled to find her footing within within that yeah wow Hmm. i guess the consequence of being trendy after that though like i said she tried to draw nuns she tried to draw you know other subjects she also dabbled in abstract work which became a little bit more popular even like in the 50s 1960s she developed a new style but the work just wasn't really received very well so she stopped exhibiting in public in 1962 So she definitely still tried, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't catching on. So then it said, though, that she lived out her life in Houston with her daughter. So I'm assuming, I guess, that her and her daughter later reconnected, which is, you know, good. Um, And then she later spent her last years in Mexico. Interesting. I know. It also said, too, like she lived in California. So I think she just kind of traveled all around. Like she started in New York was in California for a period of time, Texas, and then, like I said, ended her life in Mexico. So I know. Um, Something cool, though, it says that she lived long enough to see a resurgence of interest in her work, um, and that was sparked by a 1972 solo exhibition organized by Blondel at Paris's renowned Musée du Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. So that that expedition, um, exhibition, excuse me, um is kind of what re-sparked the interest in that so that's cool that like I guess it's one cool thing about being you know a quote-unquote trend trends always come back you know yeah like they cycle through I mean right now we're back to the early 2000s in fashion and mm-hmm. so like everything comes back so but I think it's cool that she got to see it kind of like come back right before she was a you know passed away which is cool no that is really cool because Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of funny. They always talk about not getting too trendy with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference with her is that she didn't necessarily follow a trend. She started it. (laughs) She was the trend. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard when it's like, oh, well, yeah, like when the trend dies off, like her appeal kind of did as well. Mm -hmm. But cool that like that came back in time for her to witness it again. Yeah. And also, too, I think it's like 
obviously you want to avoid being trendy but like you said she was setting the trends mm-hmm. so i feel like then it's like when the trends do eventually come back she will come back with them rather than like the people who like would have maybe just followed the trend like they're not going to resurface mm-hmm. but the person who started it and like really capitalized and like created you know like the paintings like so signature yes like th- she's gonna be the one that comes back in a way definitely yeah um, so she died in 1980 and something funny is like, it says the myths that she built around her life, um, like was in her obituaries. So it's like, people didn't really know what was truth and what was maybe a story that she had pushed herself. Um, it said that an, an obituary in the New York times explained that Lampika had reportedly earned $1 million by paintings in the 1920s, but that's an unconfirmed figure, but that's what the artist would claim is that she made a million dollars in the twenties based Hmm. off of off of her commissions which is really cool yeah good for her (laughs) yeah seriously i hope that's true for i do too like Mm -hmm. that would be great okay and then she was cremated and then had her ashes scattered over a volcano in mexico which every single article i read about her was like a fitting end for such a like dynamic person to be seriously dramatically thrown into a volcano yeah that's what i would like, say too like very dramatic just like her life <laughs> she's yep. like like that just sounds exactly what yeah. she was so throw me into a volcano okay so as far as like her legacy so in the 1980s and 90s her paintings along with of course the myths that she had created about herself um like kind of drew in Hollywood. So Madonna, Jack Nicholson, and Barbara Streisand all purchased paintings of hers. And apparently her paintings are even featured in Madonna's music videos for Vogue, Open Your Heart, and Express Yourself. Wow. Which is cool. I know. And also her paintings are now selling like a lot. So I'm going to be reading these next couple of things from a, from an article. Um, it said more recently, the value of Limpica's work has bloomed on the secondary market. The year 2004 saw the first major auction record of her work when the striking portrait de Mrs. Bush, which was in 1929, went for nearly 5 million, um, at Christie's, which I don't know what Christie's is, but art people probably do. And, and, and that was over $3 million above its estimate. And then Prizes for similarly impressive works have only mounted over time. In late 2019, Lempica's iconic La Tunique Rose um, achieved over 13 million, um, craning far beyond its high estimate of 8 million. And that record was swiftly smashed several months later in February of 2020 when Portrait de Marjorie Ferry went for over 16 million pounds. Man. I know. So I just like that's crazy that like now people are really like because her paintings are so unique and like you like so obvious you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like like they're obvious that they're her and even like from my perspective because like obviously I'm not a like I don't know a lot about painting and so because of that it's you know harder for me maybe to identify like oh yeah that's definitely that artist who painted that but like her artwork is so signature and so like yep like that's hers Mm -hmm. so I think it's cool that it's like like 16 million pounds like that's amazing yeah that's quite a bit of money <laughs> i know and she kind of addressed that so this is a quote from her she said i was the first woman who did clear painting and that was the success of my paintings and then she said among a hundred paintings you could recognize mine and the galleries d- began to put me in the best rooms always in the center because my painting attracted people yeah like she knew it like her yeah paintings, her artwork was garnering the response and people were able to recognize it just as hers and it still is like yeah exactly it's Mm -hmm. so recognizable and then two more quotes from her i just want to share is there are no miracles that there's only what you make so she was very self-sufficient i was also reading there's like she was very much like a workaholic almost like she was just very determined to kind of create this life for herself um and then she said about her work she said my goal was never to copy which is what we talked about mm-hmm. to create a new style, bright, luminous colors and scent out elegance in my models. Well, she did it. Exactly. Like that's what yeah. she did. Like she almost like really capitalized. I think it said that she was like one of the first ones to kind of put that style of art deco into painting. And like, yeah, she just created that whole style and lived this very fun 
lavish lifestyle and yeah that's Tamara de Lempica yeah I like we'll post some artwork on the Instagram but I would encourage mm-hmm. everyone to look it up as well because I know it's insane like it almost has a 3d quality and yet you can totally tell it's illustrated it's just very it's yes. really really cool it's almost like otherworldly but like even like the picture of her with the gr- in the green Bugatti that self-portrait mm-hmm. like I love that so much like I want to get like a small little print of it. Like, it's just so cool. And like all of her painting, it's so very unique and very cool. Very, very unique and very cool. And also like, I think it's so cool. Like, of course people would want a self-portrait of themselves done in this way. Oh yeah. You know, like I was (laughs) thinking, I'm like, that would be amazing to have like this very like powerful, strong. Cause that's what I think it's too. It's like all of the women's subjects in her paintings, they're very like, powerful you know what I mean like yes. self-assured like mm-hmm. that's kind of how they I perceive it no and that's so, like a good way of putting it what a confidence booster to be painted in this way yes and that's not to say they're extremely feminine like all oh, of her that's, mm-hmm. yeah they're very feminine they have like very feminine qualities and it has like sort of like a I don't know how to even describe it but yet it's like so powerful and bold as well it's yes. just it's very very cool no I, you're right like they are also very feminine which is kind of like yeah so it's like just because it's bold and self-assured but it's also feminine and those things can both yeah. exist at the same time mm-hmm. and she did it yeah her religious ones are also really interesting too it's interesting to see the difference in how she painted a nun versus like herself that's what i it's really interesting how her style changed over time in that Mm -hmm. way. Like, I'm like, did she like become religious later in her life or was she just like trying to kind of like find a niche? You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder what she was. I just, yeah, I guess I'm curious as to what sparked the difference. If it was like actually something she was like interested in, or if it was like almost like an appeal to the market, if that makes sense. No, that's super interesting. I would assume this is just an assumption, but mm-hmm. that it was probably appealed to the market because of the Great Depression. A lot more things turned towards a lot of religion and like piousness yeah. and everything. So I'd assume she was just trying to be a smart businesswoman. I but, mean, she definitely was. Yeah. Also, I just Googled like Tamara de Limpica Madonna because I wanted to see her paintings of the Madonna. But a lot of what pulled up was like kind of like images of madonna and then put side by side with tamara's paintings and it's like i'm like oh my gosh you can totally see the parallels maybe between madonna's whole vibe with in like certain instances with tamara's oh yeah i can which is cool yeah that is cool so yeah just a really cool i mean an amazing artist who obviously went on to inspire a lot, inspired like the queen of pop. So yeah, no big deal. Yeah, no, she's extremely talented. And then also if you like look at her, like just pictures of her, like she, like I said, she just very much looks like the typical, like what you would imagine Paris in 1920s or like a flapper girl, like the pictures of her, like that's just what she looks like. Oh yeah, she is like the epitome of that uh-huh like she just yeah and like she looks so i don't know she looks so european and i don't know she just looks exactly like who she is and it's kind of cool mm-hmm. like exactly how you would imagine her in is, your head is, is, is what is she correct. looks like yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because that's not how it is for most people but that's exactly what yeah like she looks like the kind of woman who would go spend hours in the Louvre with her cigarettes and a sketchbook. Like, mm-hmm. yes, that is absolutely yes. what I would with imagine. a red lip and probably a fur coat or something. Like, <laughs> which is like very glamorous. I wish yeah. I could be that glamorous. So there cool. is Tamara. I feel like we need a podcast photo shoot now in a green Bugatti. I feel like that is a must. <laughs> so if anyone owns one, <laughs> let us know. We'll be there. We'll put on our helmets and like scarves and yeah, do a very go. dramatic. That would actually be really fun. Like to find like signature paintings or like women artists, most famous paintings and like recreate them in pictures. Wouldn't it? <laughs> like, I feel like that could be a cool project. Like anyone who's a photographer 
that might be listening you should do that and call us and we will be your models yeah <laughs> even though we, we probably won't look like a lot of the people in the paintings no no but, but that's okay we'll do it anyway <laughs> we'll do it anyways and that sounds like a great project yeah it does no I'm that would be cool. anyone that idea <laughs> cool art project for anyone um one day wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way to like sit down with all of these women and like talk to them like that's the dream i know like hear their stories if there's like any time period that i would like love to know about like what it was like to live in it it would be 1920s france oh yeah Mm -hmm. so like i would just be like okay so what was that like that yeah because that whole time period was just glamorous and especially right before such important world events like the great depression Mm -hmm. and world war ii like man i don't know the world just feels like it would be a different place after those things would happen yeah things like all right in the afterlife another person i want to go talk to (laughs) yeah go sit down with her and be like hey so tell me about all this (laughs) like i would love to know more about your life because that's the thing i feel like with the articles that i was reading um a lot of the people didn't really touch on like the crazy stories about her because it was all speculation no one really knew what was true you know Mm -hmm. so i'm sure she has crazy cool stories that never made it to the public you know so i'm just like what like what happened like i want to know the craziest stories yeah she would have cool party stories she would she She would be ours yeah oh for sure (laughs) i don't think that's even a competition (laughs) what was a pretty crazy high school party (laughs) (laughs) with no alcohol and one-piece swimming suits (laughs) yeah wow what a crazy world we live in what a what a rager (laughs) well thank you for listening hope you guys learned more and enjoyed learning about her as per usual we'll plug this every time but follow us on instagram on tiktok Mm -hmm. if you want to stay updated on episodes and you want to chat with us let us know any artists that you'd like to us to cover any friends of yours that you'd like us to spotlight anything that'd be awesome we'd love to connect with as many women artists as possible yes and as always um we have a book list that you can check out it's linked in every episode's show notes um there are amazon affiliate links but there's books for pretty much every single episode we do that's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty of covering historical figures and important topics. So if you want to learn more about any of these people or things that we talk about, all the links are there. And also, we have a Patreon. So oh, yeah. come join. Be a member. Um, come join. Yeah. You get cool things. And you just get to talk to us more, which who wouldn't Don't you want love that? that? <laughs> <laughs> We're True pretty cool. That. So yeah, definitely join join the Patreon, check out the book list and follow us on everything. Well, thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you next week. Yep. See you next time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.